Welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. Welcome to episode 41. Today I'm talking all about maximizing your board meetings. When you get talking to board members, you very quickly discover that they all share a set of common frustrations. And these are usually centered around unequal workload, under or no preparation for their meetings, meaning that they haven't read the board papers, receiving too much or too little information, receiving papers too close to the meeting time, and taking too long or not long enough on the important decisions that they're making in the boardroom. These are such common frustrations across boards and amongst board members from all types of industries, not-for-profit, for-profit organisations, all sizes and shapes of boards. And when I sat back and observed this, listened to it, reflected on my own board career history, I'm not really surprised that this is such a common frustration that's shared amongst boards and board members. From my own experience, it feels like we have this assumption that because you're capable of sitting on a board, that somehow you instantly and inherently know how to do that. You know how to be part of this team. You know how to prepare for meetings. You know how to be a board member on this board without anyone telling you or showing you how. And no one talks about it. You're just expected to integrate seamlessly. Really, it is no wonder all of these frustrations arise. No one has taken the time to discuss and agree on a set of guiding principles around how the board will work and what expectations the board and board members have and agree to work to. We're all just thrown together and expected to work it all out and have efficient and effective board meetings at the end of the day and no one talks about it. So I'm going to talk about it today. To help you help your board, I'm going to share some ideas around what to do before, during, after and in between board meetings to help you and your board be efficient and effective. And I encourage you to take these ideas and some of your own back to your board and develop as a team so all the board members together, what your rules of engagement are to ensure that you're all on the same page and all operating from the same rule book. And speaking of books, you may want to encapsulate your rules that you come up with in something like a board charter or some other document so that the board members now and in the future can quickly and easily understand how you've all agreed to work together as a team and most importantly, what the expectations are 
of the team as a whole and the board members as individuals. To enhance what I'm actually sharing in this podcast episode, a great idea you may want to think about is to join my free board talk community on Facebook and watch the April masterclass on leading boardroom culture. And if you do that, you can find that masterclass replay in the events tab in the board talk community. And that's going to give you some insights into really defining and leading boardroom culture, starting with why. So what's the purpose of the board and the organization? And then setting aligned values, actions and behaviors that help cultivate and reinforce that culture that you're looking to achieve. And those actions and behaviours is a little bit about what this episode is going to give you some ideas on. So let's get started. What are some things to consider doing or having in place before your board meetings that are going to make the actual board meeting work more efficiently and more effectively. Firstly, I always recommend boards to have an annual calendar. And this is a document that plots out all of the tasks that the board knows that it has to address throughout the year. So this could be things like uh, the strategy, either reviewing it and updating it or setting a new one from scratch, CEO reviews, budgets, AGMs, audited financial statement time, board reviews, special reports, etc. Whatever it is that makes sense for your board, you list them out. And what you then do, once you have a comprehensive list, you plot those tasks, we'll call them tasks, against each meeting that is scheduled for the year in advance. Yes, plan your meeting dates a year in advance. That's going to help on so many levels, if not just for your annual calendar. And I recommend extending this out to the work of your committees. So each committee has its own annual calendar as well. And they can then plot their meetings and the work that they do to align with when the board meets so that they're not big expanses of time between a committee making a recommendation and that it being adopted by the board. So it all just makes everything flow very efficiently. Next is to prepare an agenda. Uh, I know it makes sense. It sounds very uh, practical, but some boards don't don't go far and do this or they use the same one and just change the date at the top for each meeting. So prepare an agenda and you do this in conjunction. Uh, usually it's the chair uh, doing it in collaboration with the board secretary, the company secretary, the public officer, whoever is that person that has that task assigned to them. Sometimes it may just be the chair themselves depending on the resources of the organisation. But as you're putting this agenda together, uh, have the opportunity for board members to 
input items into that agenda as well. Every board member should have the ability to do that. It doesn't mean that just because someone's suggesting it, it has to be included, but um, it's, an, it's a wise idea to go out to the board members and ask if there's anything that they want to add into the agenda. Uh, with things that you are adding into the agenda, of course, you don't want to just add things to add things to sort of pad out your meetings if anyone's looking to do that. You want to run through your mind whether what you're incorporating into your agenda is really aligned with the bigger purpose. So does it help you to achieve what you're trying to achieve as a board? And there are some basic things that boards in every organisation try and do, but each organisation then has very specific things that it its board does and exists for. So run through that as well. Is it within the board's remit and does it support the board to keep strategic rather than dipping into operational matters? So does it align with your purpose? And is it within the remit of the board? So is it the board's area of responsibility? Usually it could be <laughs> since you're the sort of last resort. Um, and does it support that perspective of the strategic level? We're not getting into operations. We're really keeping it high level. So anything that comes onto the board agenda You've got a few filters to run it through. With your agenda, uh, how it's set out, which I'll get more into shortly, you want to break it into three main areas. One is for decision, one is for discussion, and one uh, matters for noting. So as you can imagine, the decision, matters for decision, is usually things that the board needs to decide on at that meeting and that they're normally very ready for that decision to be made. Discussion is exactly what that means. It's matters within the board's area of responsibility and oversight that the board has to spend time on talking through and discussing and debating and looking at different solutions, but may not be quite ready to make that decision yet. So that's for that section. The matters for noting section really is that, that we're taking that information that's within there as read when we arrive at the meeting, and it may not need to be talked about at all unless someone has a question on those. And we have that uh, ability for the board members to ask questions, of course, but generally we're not going to spend a lot of time in that area. They're just matters for noting. Uh, the fourth thing, though, that I want you to think about incorporating into your agenda is an in-camera session. And this is normally the board meeting without management present. Sometimes it's the non-executive directors meeting without the executive directors present. And it gives the board a chance to talk about whatever it is that they need to talk about uh, away from the day-to-day -day staff within the business. Normally, the CEO or managing director is the person attending the board meetings, so they would not be in this in-camera session. And it's not always to talk about the people or the person who isn't in the room. It's usually to discuss matters that may not be ready for um, broader consideration or consideration at all. 
Um, one example that I can use from a, a board I was on many years ago, we used the in-camera session to talk about um, the future of where the organisation was going to be located. It was a national organisation. It didn't need to be necessarily in the place where it was at the time where I was on the board and there were opportunities coming up where it could be relocated that made more sense for the organisation in the longer term. Of course, this is all very preliminary, high-level uh, sort of conversation and where that was at, nothing was set in stone, nothing was decided. It was just a, hey, here's a consideration, how seriously do we want to take this and when do we actually formalise that this might be something that we end up doing. So that was suited to an in-camera session where we could just talk informally about it and make that decision on when we actually brought it to the whole board, including uh, the CEO of that organisation. So that's an example there. Prepare your agenda, have it divided into nice, neat sections, which will also inform you of the type of information and the quantity of information needed to go out with each of those uh, items that are listed on your agenda within each section. And so on that note, my third point is <laughs> for you to have all of your information ready to send with the agenda and to do that uh, with a minimum time frame in mind. And usually a rule of thumb is at least one week prior to the board meeting and to ensure that you're including a weekend in there. So one week we mean seven days, which of course will in encompass a a weekend in there. Board members are very busy. They're trying to keep their board work in um, amongst a whole raft of other things that they're doing, normally uh, a full-time job, a family and their own personal life in there as well. So we need to be conscious of that and give them adequate time for uh, board meeting preparation to fit in with the other things that they're doing. And so... Another reason why you want to know the meeting dates a year in advance, which allows the board members to hopefully <laughs> schedule in time for their meeting preparation as well. And if you have a rule of thumb uh, or your own policy for your board that board meeting papers come out um, at, at least seven days before a board meeting, that lets the board members schedule in time uh, in their own schedule to do that preparation, knowing full well that they are going to have the information at that time that they've scheduled that in. So have that as a policy, documented uh, like you would any other policy or procedure. Really, this is truly about enabling the board and board members to properly discharge their duties and to do their work. Efficient and effective is uh, something you hear me say often and that means that it effectively enables the board members to operate at a level that is expected of them. So it goes both ways. <laughs> 
So as I've alluded to, the next point I want to make is to have some rules around your agenda items. Uh, in particular, the decisions or sometimes they're referred to as motions that are put, on, uh, put forward. So depending on which type of decision is being made, or as I mentioned, a discussion is being had, you should have some rules, um, some parameters around what information and how much information in what form, etc., etc., is needed to be provided at specific points in time. And that that gets run through the same rules as everything else. It's added to the agenda with adequate time. The information is sent out at the same time as the board meeting agenda and the rest of the board packs to keep everything neat together. And if someone's bringing something forward and they miss the deadlines, instead of trying to um, panic and have multiple emails or communications going out to board members related to information that's coming up at the board meeting, the more likely is that someone's going to miss something that's critical. And so if you miss the deadline for your board meeting uh, information to go out with the board pack, then it gets carried over to the next meeting. Of course, unless it's something urgent that needs your attention, I would have really stringent rules that you all follow um, that really just supports the work of the board. And... Having rules is going to have everyone know what's expected of them and what they can expect of others, which is really critical uh, for a cultural perspective and, again, for this efficiency and effectiveness that I keep harping on about. <laughs> Next, going more... Um, broader than just some of the operational factors of a meeting that I've just run through. Uh, and this may be more for the chair than for something else, is to really consider the meeting space and time of day and really how these are going to impact on the meeting and on the performance of the board members themselves. Does everyone have the information uh, particularly for online meetings relating to the location of the meeting. So no one's uh, trying to figure it out at the last minute. They know exactly where they're going. They know exactly what time it is um, and that they can show up and not show up late, not show up in a panic <laughs> and be really um, there, present, ready for it. And also that the meeting space is conducive to... Uh, productive meetings. So you don't want to be in a windowless room in a basement, which was a premises for one of the boards that I met was a very dark, dingy back room um, that had no windows. <laughs> it was not very pleasant. It was not very conducive. Um, if you're meeting at the end of the day, which a lot of volunteer-based boards do, um, then you really need to be considerate of, of that and how much uh, the board can actually work on effectively at the end of a day, especially at the end of a work day. 
So keep that in mind as well. And that may mean that you have to meet more regularly, like once a month. I wouldn't do more than that. Once a month is fine. Or um, that you split your board meetings or meet more regularly or focus on less things, whatever works for you, or even change your meeting time. Have it in the morning instead of after work. Have it at lunch. Whatever works for your board, these things are very flexible and should be checked in with regularly to make sure that it works for the board and the board members. So next I want you to think about preparing yourself for your board meetings. Beyond um, just making sure that you do schedule in time to do your meeting prep and that you do read the papers, um, I want you to think about what they contain we rarely spend time just thinking and much of the work, in fact, the only work that the board does is knowledge work and that requires your brain. That's why you're brought into uh, a board is because of that brain that you have in your head. And so I want you to use it and think about the things that the board is working on and thinking about the organisation and thinking about the work that you have to do there. Um, that's really going to help you to see how it all fits together, know what questions to ask and what you need to be looking at further and bringing new thinking and new ideas into the boardroom as well. On top of that, I want you to ask questions uh, in advance when necessary uh, or and or during the board meeting and talking to others about what's coming up in the meeting, either an expert's perspective on, on what's coming up, you know, understanding confidentiality requirements here, um, or speaking to other board members. And I want you to do that appropriately. I don't want you to sort of go around politicking that really does not help the board in the long run uh, but it's worth getting other people's perspective particularly if you've missed a board meeting or what's being considered is not in your area of strength or um, experience or expertise it may be worth while checking in with the board member who who does have a bit more experience and expertise in an area uh, to run some things by and ask some questions like that. But we're not a board within a board, so try not to uh, do that alliance um, type of activity or politicking or anything like that. It's just not the appropriate environment to do that in. Um, and lastly, with the before the meeting side of things, if you're not going to be attending the meeting for whatever whatever reason, um, I still would expect you to read through the board pack, prepare as you normally would insofar as you can, uh, whatever reason you're missing the meeting for. It could be a whole range of things. So as much as you can prepare or read the information that's been sent out, I would love to see you reading it still and forwarding any questions or comments or even any uh, votes or um, I used to have a board member that would nominate a proxy <laughs> within the board uh, to vote for that person in their absence. Um, and I would send that through to the chair prior to the meeting or 
uh, take formal leave if you have to. So a leave of absence if you're going to be away for um, probably more than one meeting. And that's really a, a matter of respect for the board and for the other board members and more for your own protection as well. So there'll be less of an expectation um, that you'll contribute to meetings via um, other methods like email or, or things like that or even being able to read the board packs than it would be that if you hadn't taken formal leave. So keep that in mind as well. Okay, what about during the meetings? There are some things that we can do, of course, during the meeting that's going to make us um, have a good meeting, have an efficient meeting, have an effective meeting. And first of all, that's to use that agenda that you spent uh, a great deal of time and effort putting together and formulating and getting all the necessary ducks in a row Um you've got to use it. And what do we do with it? It's the important and the substantial things up first. So I've talked about structuring your meetings, matters for decision, matters for discussion and matters for noting. So we have up front at the top of the agenda, our high priority in-depth matters and items when everyone is fresh and engaged and you've got the time and the ability to focus and discuss these things and deliberate and to make good decisions. So then you would move on to matters for discussion. As I talked about earlier, decisions or, or matters that aren't quite ready for a decision, but we still need to discuss and consider things further, get people in from the organisation doing presentations or people from outside, whatever it is, doing that discussion type things, and items for noting which may not need any conversation time at all unless someone has a query about it. Um, and I did say the in-camera session is very important as well. You can have that either as the first item, so before 15 minutes before the board meeting is scheduled to start is where your non-executive directors have their in-camera session or as the last item on the agenda. And to have it as a permanent agenda item too, you don't want uh, the people who are asked to leave the room during those sections of the agenda to all of a sudden see this show up on an agenda because <laughs> that's when they will start to think that you're actually using that time to talk about them. So having it as a permanent spot on the agenda really allows the, the non-executive directors to say, yes, we're going to have this in-camera session or no, let's skip it this time and we, we don't really have anything to discuss. Uh, but having it there as a permanent fixture is a good idea. Uh, when you come to the meeting, I, I would operate on the assumption that everyone has read their board pack, their board meeting information pack. Um, for those who are chairing a board, and if you have a suspicion that people are consistently not reading their board packs um, and it's very obvious and you've already had a conversation with them offline about it, then I would probably start making a bit more of a public point of it and asking everyone before the meeting starts whether they have read their board pack. 
<laughs> and if someone is game enough to say that they haven't, um, thank you for your honesty, but I'm going to have to ask you to leave the meeting. Um, they're not taking due care and diligence in their role, which is one of our core director's duties. So it's a dangerous position for them to put themselves in as well as the other board members and organisation to be in. It's something I don't take lightly and I don't accept excuses for continued non-preparation. This meeting preparation is a fundamental base level requirement for all board members and if someone can't do that they really need to reevaluate their role on the board so take a hard line you've got my support <laughs> for continued non-preparation uh, so so what then everyone's read their board pack we have an agenda we're going to stay on track and on topic and so many times we get uh, sent off the rails down a segue, rabbit hole, something that's really not of the concern of the board and that it's just off and we're all on a roll and we don't even realise it and 30 minutes has gone past and we wonder what has happened there. So talk, if you're talking in a board meeting, talk with meaning, talk with purpose do not waffle and get to your point and make your point or share your idea concisely and stay on topic for as long as it needs for it to be given the appropriate care, diligence and deliberations. Um, if you have set times for your board meeting items, don't just try and be a slave to those. Things have to go for as long or as short as they need to to do the job properly. And that's what you're there for. So what we learnt from the Financial Services Royal Commission in Australia is that some boards were not giving enough time to really important matters. So... I would encourage you to let that be an invitation to ensure that your board deliberates sufficiently on the critical matters, on the things that matter. So we want concise, we want to stay on topic, but we don't want to rush things through. We need things to take as much time as they need to get done properly. So after that, what do we do? We track any action items and deadlines and we keep this action list updated and it's the same one and everyone gets it at the beginning of every meeting and we know who's doing what by when. Um, it's up to all of us individually as board members to do our part on a board and, and having an action list really gives us a quick and easy way to see that our tasks are divided equally amongst the board members. So if you see that some names are absent next to some action items, uh, take it upon yourself as a board member or certainly the chair should be bringing attention to this and making sure that there's equal distribution of workload across the board. Um, feel free to make a point about some people doing more than others. 
whether you feel like you are or you're seeing that someone else on the board is doing that, uh, you need to bring that up as a board member and do something about it, <laughs> meaning you share the workload. So everyone's equal on the board and everyone should have equal workload. Uh, okay, what's next? So, so some conversational side of things, some participation. Um, of course, you need to be an active board member. And there was a great quote that I was reminded of um, in a judgment where a, a judge said, a director is not an ornament. So I think that's really good to keep in mind that as a board member, we're not just there to show up to fill a seat, to warm a seat there. We do need to participate and we need to participate fully and we do need to address what needs addressing. We cannot hide from challenging conversations. Um, the work of the board is going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to get uncomfortable. You're there to debate and do the things that you need to do to come to the best decision for the organisation as a whole in the long run. So you need to start understanding and learning how to get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. And if you're not on a board yet, I would encourage you to start finding opportunities in your personal or your work life where you start having these moments where you invite in the fierce conversations is what Susan Scott calls it. Um, candor is another way it's described. But learn how to be a good participant in a fierce conversation. It's not about having a go at people personally saying, you're an idiot, what a dumb idea. You're actually just being um, critical and debating and really frank about the ideas, about potential decisions. It's not about the person or the individual at all. It's about what's on the table um, theoretically as an idea, as a potential decision. And it's as much about being able to talk like that, but also being on the receiving end as well. There's two sides of this. And I would really encourage that if this is somewhere where you feel a little awkward is to check out Susan Scott's Fierce Conversation book, uh, because that sets out a really good framework um, to use in these type of conversations and it's just as good for your personal life as it is for your professional life. So I'll share a link to that in the show notes and highly recommend it as a read. Um, of course, you, in addition to being candid in the boardroom, we need to make sure that everyone has a chance to speak. So we need to call out the quiet ones. We need to make sure that we're not the overbearing ones that isn't allowing the space for others to step up and step out and to speak. So we need to uh, be careful of our own behaviours as well as encouraging other people to step forward and speak up. And choose your timing and your words carefully and keep it on topic and keep it concise. Okay, still at the meeting, what do we do right at the end? A great uh, thing that I've had on a board previously, a great activity that we all do at the end of a meeting is a quick check-in. How did we go? How, was it, how did we perform as a group? What went well? 
what should we change, what do we need to focus on, etc., etc. Um, this is a good conversation for the board to have as a whole, what did we do well, but it also helps with some self-reflection of us individually. How did I do? Was I too quiet? Was I too loud? Did I do adequate preparation? Did I ask enough questions? Did I ask the right questions at the right time? Did it get a good outcome, etc.? Whatever it is that you can check in on the the way that things were done, even if you want to think about um, giving feedback on the information you got, was it timely, was it too much, was it too little, was it too late, was it too early, whatever it is, this is a really good thing to incorporate at the end of your meeting uh, on a regular basis and that in itself usually stimulates some good conversation and is going to prompt all of the board members to think about their own behaviour during the board meeting, which is great. And then the outcomes that the group achieved from that. At Onboard, they believe that board meetings should be informed, effective and uncomplicated. Imagine a solution that streamlines your board pack preparation, enhances board governance and information security and improves collaboration and productivity. A board management solution that's easy to use from any device. Onboard provides just that solution and is the most easy to use board management platform available today. Respond quickly to changes and simplify difficult tasks that traditionally eat up board member time and resources. Track and execute action items with our task manager. Build board packs faster than ever. Send and receive targeted alerts and messages to keep everyone informed. Ready to explore how OnBoard can help your board thrive? Visit bit.ly forward slash onboardau. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash O-N-B-O-A-R-D-A-U. Okay, now we've reached the time of immediately after the meeting. So, of course, first and foremost, we want the minutes of the meeting to be distributed promptly at the, after that meeting's finished. Um, really... A, again, a good rule of thumb is one within one week after the meeting. Um, there are some legislated rules around when minutes of meetings of the directors are entered into the organisation's or the corporation's minute book, they call it. Um, so depending on whether your organisation falls under the Corporations Act or whether whether it's an incorporated association, please check your relevant legislation for some uh, guidance on when your board meeting minutes or meeting of the directors minutes uh, need to have certain things done with them. So there are some rules around there. And of course, with any minutes that are distributed to the board meeting, those board, sorry, to the board members, the board members should then be given a short time period to input, to feedback, any requests for edits 
or amendments or even some clarification of what happened in the meeting. There should be sufficient information in your minutes to ensure the deliberations and the decisions are sufficiently recorded. And this is going to be different for for every board, for every decision that it's making and the level and complexity and um, significance of those decisions needs to be considered in relation to how much information you record about those. And again, the Financial Services Royal Commission in Australia questioned the adequacy of some of the bank's board meetings minutes as based on those minutes which is meant to be a true and accurate reflection of what happened at that meeting, uh, those minutes appeared that significant decisions only had very minimal deliberations. Uh, so think about that. Your minutes are really the only piece of evidence in addition to uh, board member handwritten notes, but they're not always guaranteed <laughs> of what happened in the meeting. Um so do they, on their own, give a true and accurate reflection of what was, uh, what happened at the meeting? Each agenda item needs different minutes depending on its significance or materiality um, and consider the information that was accompanying that in the board pack. Uh, so the board pack and the minutes are a really good indication of the meeting, of that, that board meeting, the meeting of the directors. Um, it might be worthwhile noting down any presentations that accompanied a substantial decision or just any decision like that so that people can see what indeed went down at that meeting. Um, accepting your minutes as correct, as that true and accurate reflection of what happened at that meeting um, and si the chair signing them at that next meeting closes that formalised loop of your minutes. Um, as I said, that part, uh, so entering them within a certain time frame and signing them in, in the board, accepting them as correct at that next meeting, that's a legal requirement and <laughs> it can actually come back to haunt you or help you in the future if or when something goes wrong. Uh, so beyond that, <laughs> they also help new board members to understand the board's recent decisions and past decisions um, and where the board's at right now. So it's a really good uh, tool for your induction program as well for new directors and new board members. So what else? I've talked about action items. I want to ensure that those action items are noted in a centralised place and the people who have assigned actions know about it and have the resources and accessibility they need to get it done. And if you have this um, action list centralised online that each board member can access, then they can really easily make updates within that document, within that spreadsheet, whatever it is, about their progress on their action item. And this is so everyone can see it really quickly, really easily, and that's a great tool for transparency uh, of the board members and the other board members and the work that they're doing. 
So what else I've talked about, reflecting on your performance and the performance of the group. I would really encourage you to not just do that individually at the end of a board meeting, but do it afterwards as well on your own, thinking beyond just that quick check-in that you had as a board at the end of that meeting. Um, you might want to add on to that areas uh, for improvement that you've had uh, identified by yourself or that you get as feedback from either a mentor, a trusted advisor or a board buddy. So is this another board member who's who you've been connected with to be your sort of buddy in the boardroom? So usually a more slightly more experienced board member will be buddied up with a less experienced board member to help them really uh, get embedded, understand what's going on in the boardroom. And those relations relationships will tend to uh, continue beyond just that formalised short induction time period. So that person um, or either a mentor or trusted advisor outside of that boardroom can help you to reflect on your uh, overall performance as a board member and performance in a particular meeting if you've got questions about that. So that's before, during and after board meetings. Now we've got all the spaces in between and those spaces in between will vary uh, in length depending on how often you meet as a board, depending on your organisation. And your busy people do not feel like I'm adding to your burden <laughs> with expectations that you all come together and you're all friends and you all hang out with each other. Actually, that's probably going to do more bad than good if you become too friendly. So I want you to keep that as a bit of a contextual consideration as well. What I'm going to share is with that in mind. You don't want to become too close, but you also want to know someone beyond just them sitting across the board table from you. So how can we build our relationship um, with the other board members to help improve the boardroom performance? And a few ideas that I have here. Firstly, engage with the other board members as you see fit. So we're not building a board within a board, we're not setting silos, we're not politicking um, and we're not sort of colluding to make decisions with a majority of the board and pushing things through that, uh, that we haven't had a chance to deliberate properly as a board as a whole. <laughs> Trust me, I know what that feels like. Um, but make a connection with your fellow board members. Maybe it's something like catching up for a coffee once every six months or once a year. It's really up to you. But having a chance to know the person as a person rather than just um, your finance expert who's on the board or legal expert who's on the board could be uh, really beneficial and help you um, in the boardroom to, to do the job of the board. Uh, it may be worthwhile connecting with your chair more regularly as well, maybe once a month or once every other month. And what I mean by that is just a simple check-in or a chance to provide feedback or share concerns with your chair. And the check-in and feedback could go both ways. In fact, that's what I'd really appreciate if I was a chair and I had board members that... Um, 
positively and with good intention would feedback information related to um, my performance in the boardroom, how I'm chairing the meeting, how I can get the best from that person individually as well. I think that's really positive. Um, and sharing concerns with them directly means that you don't have to air sort of inappropriate concerns in public in the boardroom. Some things that might be better off to just pull them aside and say, hey, did you realise this? Or, hey, I'm worried about A, B or C. That's a really good way to do that as well. Um, the chair is likely to be meeting with the CEO once a month um, in general, of course, and as a board member, you may want to do that as well, but on a much less regular basis. And that may be once every quarter or once every six months or maybe even once a year because chances are you're going to be seeing this person, this CEO in the board meeting every month if you meet monthly. Um, but you also don't want to overburden the CEO by meeting more regularly. You think, Every board member's meeting them once every quarter. That could be 10 to 12 people uh, meeting with this person on a rotating three-monthly basis. That's a heavy burden. It means that they're not doing their job. Instead, they're dealing with board members who um, probably don't need to meet with that person as regularly. But you may also want to walk around the organisation and check in on senior managers or other employees, depending on the size of the business. And that's just casually checking in, chatting things through, seeing where they're up to, getting an understanding of what they're doing and the challenges that, that those people and the organisation may be facing at that level. That's going to give you a really good um, perspective when it comes to making decisions in the boardroom as well. Um, just really be careful that you don't drop into telling people what you think they should do or doing anything that could potentially undermine the CEO directive or that it comes across that you're encroaching on them or you're snooping on them or anything like that. Um, we've heard of management by walking around and Julie Garland McClellan, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, has a term um, called governing by walking around. And I think that is a wonderful concept and is something that's worthwhile considering adding into your repertoire as a board member. Just really approach it with caution. Make sure you give people like the chair and the CEO a very um, sufficient and well in advance heads up that you're going to be popping in and tell them what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it may be better for the board as a whole um, to spend maybe 30 minutes or so before a board meeting, if it's possible, walking around the workplace while there's actually people there might be good as well. So they can get a bit more of uh, exposure to how things are going on, what actually happens in the workplace. So... Also, as a board member, we need to keep building networks. Now, these do come in handy when it, you want to um, pursue a board opportunity or have board opportunities come to you, but it actually comes in handy with 
um, board decisions that you may be tackling because you can have subject matter experts in your network that you can call on, ask questions, get them in for a presentation, anything else uh, that could help you do the work of a board member. Your network's really going to help you with that. Um, so never stop networking, <laughs> which is something I talk about all the time. Build networks, maintain your networks uh, and, and leverage them where you can, where it's appropriate. Uh, and it helps with succession planning as well. So if you need new board members for your board, then you've got an audience that you can go out to um, and seek recommendations through that group of people as well. Of course, you as an individual board member continue to learn and develop and grow. Uh, you can do that individually and you can do that as a board. So there's a lot of things that you can do as a group. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Um, I do, I'll actually share an article in the show notes. Uh, that is a an article that I wrote about some free director development activities that you could all do as a board or even individually as well. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on that you can do uh, in the spaces between your board meetings is what I like to call date, dating your board. Um, so really, as you would approach any other date, is organising some time together away from the work of the board. I mean, it could be before a board meeting or afterwards, depending on where you meet, or even just informally uh, once every six months or so, you just meet for dinner or whatever it may be. And the purpose of that is really to get to know each other beyond the capacity or role of board members. And it'll be beneficial for boardroom performance, trust me. Uh, it really helps to um, understand where people's heads are at, understand what's driving them, what's motivating, what's their reason for being on this board and helps you to see them just beyond a person that's making decisions that may seem a little hard-nosed in the boardroom, but when you get to know them as a person, you can see and know more of their intention and where their actions and behaviours are coming from. So it's really positive to that. As I said, a big caveat is not to get too close. You don't want to introduce groupthink and false harmony into the group. Um, and always keep in mind that you're there to be respected rather than liked. And there's a big difference there. And sometimes that's hard to grapple with. Um, but I encourage you to keep that in mind in the boardroom. We're respectful, we're nice, we're friendly, but we don't have to be friends with everyone. <laughs> so I hope with all of that, I've demonstrated that maximizing your boardroom performance has a lot more to do with the things that happen outside of the boardroom and around the board meetings rather than purely what happens when the board meets. And whichever techniques or methods you or your board chooses to adopt, the primary thing to keep in mind is to set the rules of engagement as a group and all agree on the group norms and behaviours that are necessary and acceptable and those that are unacceptable. And 
you know what, do something about them. (laughs) Encourage the good stuff and discourage the bad. It's more than just giving positive feedback when they do something good and then just remaining silent when they do something bad. Uh, You need to call out both. And really anything that you decide on like this, I encourage you to document them. Document them as you would with any other policy or procedure that you have. Take it with that level of seriousness and intent and that'll be really positive, help you to have really effective, efficient board meetings where you're not getting any of those negative things that most other board members are frustrated about with their board. So I've shared more information around each of these areas uh, to help your board meetings be efficient and effective, including some like mini masterclasses in my board talk community on Facebook. So if you're interested in joining, I invite you to do so. It's free. Jump onto Facebook, look for board talk, and hopefully you'll find me, my head there. Hopefully it's nice and easy for you to see that and join that community. There's a few questions for you to answer. Pretty easy, straightforward, but I look forward to seeing you in the Board Talk community. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favourite podcast app. And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag Board Shorts Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. The Board Shorts Podcast is powered by Get On Board Australia, the destination for aspiring and new board members, helping you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. Thank you.